What a great blessing that we enjoy to come together and enjoy each other's fellowship as we worship our great, wonderful Heavenly Father. No greater joy should be in our hearts as Christians than to be able to assemble together and commit this service to our Father. Thank the elders for the privilege of speaking to you this morning. I hope you'll find something in our study that will encourage your heart. I want to begin with this scripture. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. If I mention that word Christian, what kind of a reaction are you going to have? Are you happy to be a Christian? Are you a Christian? Do you resent the fact that I mention the word Christian and encourage all people to be Christians? Brings up a lot of questions with just one word. But I want this morning, if you're not a Christian, I want to begin our study with just some thoughts for you to consider. I want you to think about the great blessings that Christians have today that those that are not Christians do not have. If I can give you a good reason and blessings to be a Christian, I hope you will accept it and come to the Lord today. You are Christians mostly this morning, and I realize that. And I hope through our study we can increase our faith and our confidence in the calling that we have from God. As we walk with Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, every day. I want to begin with a word, forgiveness. There is no sweeter word. There is no word of more importance. To me, it is the greatest of all blessings that we can appreciate today that we have been forgiven. As I stand before you today, I look back over 86 years, and I see all of the mistakes, and I see all of the sins that I've committed. So this word, forgiveness, becomes so important that we understand God's blessings to us today. So let's look at that for a little bit. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, beginning at verse number 9. Paul said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. I want to quit in our reading right there for just a moment. Here is quite a list of sin and ungodliness that says they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a pretty final denunciation from the throne of God that these sins will not go to heaven. But then look at the next verse. He said, but such were some of you. 
but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I want to think with you about these for just a moment. Here is a list of sin and ungodliness. Maybe that's not your sin. What is your sin that's separating you from God today? Any sin can be forgiven. So I'd come back to my thought. How important is this word forgiveness? But he said, you were washed, you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He said, some of you people were walking in this kind of a lifestyle. You were sinners, you were ungodly, you were separated from God. But he said, something happened. You were washed, you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You were sanctified. That means to make holy. That redeemed you and washed you and prepared you to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And he said, you are justified. That word throws a lot of people. What's it mean to be justified? It means to pronounce free of sin. As if you had never committed those sins. They're gone. They're washed away. They're forgiven. Never to be held against you anymore. Forever and forever. You think that word is important? Forgiveness is great. Another scripture that relates about the same thing. But I want to notice it for just a moment. He said, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here are again sins that are listed, that forbid anyone to enter into the kingdom of God. Tell us how to quit these things. Tell us how we can change our lifestyle. I can stand here all day and enumerate sins and ungodliness, but if we don't know how to change that, then what good is it going to do? Well, in a short sentence, quit doing that. I don't care what sin that is out there, it's habit forming. And we have to resolve that we're going to quit that sin. Let me give you a scripture, it's not on the board. Ephesians 4 and verse number 28, Paul said, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him work with his own hands that which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. See the change? Let him that stole steal no more. If you're guilty of sin and uncaughtedness in a repeated sense, don't do it anymore. Change your lifestyle. That's called repentance. 
a change of heart, a change of life. If sin cannot enter the kingdom of God, we need to get rid of the sin problem. It blocks an interest into the greatest kingdom on earth today. So the subject of forgiveness comes again as a great important subject. It doesn't matter, my friends this morning, my brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter the sin that you have committed. It can be forgiven. Some people say, well, I've just been so bad I could never be forgiven. That's untrue. God is able to forgive every sin and all sin, and He has promised that forgiveness. Let's go to Romans chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. The Scripture said, Blessed, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. What are you going to do with this verse? What do you think about these verses? Look at the word blessed. Happy are they whose iniquities are forgiven. Christian friends, brothers and sisters this morning, we ought to be the happiest people rejoicing on the face of the earth today that we are in that category, that we have been blessed with the forgiveness of sins and iniquities. And he said, Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. Here's another word that sometimes people do not understand. The word impute. What does that mean? That means write it on your record. He's not going to hold that against you. He will not impute sin. Well, what does that mean for us today? Those sins and those iniquities that were washed away in the act of baptism, which we'll get to in just a moment, will never be recorded on our record anymore. They're gone, they're forgiven, and never to be answered to anymore. Now look in Acts 2 and verse number 38, a very familiar scripture. As Peter said, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What does the word remission mean? To remit, to forgive, to pardon. Those sins are gone. When? When we repent, when we're baptized, in the name of Jesus Christ, for or in order to obtain the remission of sins. One more scripture, Acts 22 and verse number 16. And now why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And then I want to go to Ephesians 1 and verse number 7, where Paul said, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We have redemption 
we have to been set free from the consequence of sin. We have forgiveness, that is pardon, that sins are absolved, they're gone, they're washed away forevermore. Now let's clarify this a little bit. Romans chapter 6. Let's begin at verse number 1. Now I want to ask a little tolerance this morning. From this point on in my notes, you'll notice there the New King James Version. I got halfway through this before I realized I was still in King James. So now it's up to you to watch what I say because King James may just come out. That's 86 years of cramming and well, let's let that stop right there. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we're buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no more, no longer, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died under sin once for all. And the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise you also. Notice particularly this verse. Likewise you also. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, there's a lot of things in these verses, and we could spend an hour talking about them, but we won't. I'll give you that grace. But there's some things that we need to notice. We were baptized into the death of Jesus. That becomes an important fact, that in that death, in John 19, verse 33 and 34, but when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. In the death of Jesus, his blood was shed. Now, it doesn't take a great scientist to understand that when we're baptized into the death of Jesus, there's the blood, there's the cleansing power, there is the fact that it washes away our sins. It's not the water. That water in that baptistry is just like the water that you drink that comes out of the faucet at home. It's city water. Water is important, but in that baptism is the blood of Jesus Christ, and that 
is the cleansing power. One more scripture. 1 Peter 3 and verse number 21. There is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism. That's a simple statement. He had just talked about the flood, how that Noah had been saved by building an ark. And then he comes to this verse and he said, there's also something just like that. That's an antitype. Which now saves us. Baptism. I don't think that's too hard to understand, do you? But he goes ahead and it explains. He said, not the removing of the filth of the flesh. When we take someone into the baptistry to baptize them, we don't go with soap and a rag to wash them or give them a bath. That's not the removing of the filth of the flesh. But what is it? He said, it's the answer of a good conscience toward God. When you do what he said, that's an answer of obedience of a good conscience to what God has said. And he said, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That old sinful man dies. He's buried in a watery grave of baptism. And he arises to walk in the newness of life. And that brings us to this new life. A new kind of life that we have after that we are forgiven of all of our sins. Let's go back to Romans, the sixth chapter. Beginning at verse number 11. He said, Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at that statement for a moment. He said, you reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God. How did that happen? Galatians 3 and verse number 27 said, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Again, we're back to that subject of baptism. Now let's continue. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. See the transition? We die to sin, we arise to walk in the new life, and we become dead to that unrighteousness and alive to righteousness. For sin shall not have dominion over you. I'll get it. Excuse me. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. What shall we say then? What then? See, I gave you the oak. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, because, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that you, that 
though you were the slaves of sin, that yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Can we understand the difference in that kind of a lifestyle? We're dead to that sin and ungodliness, whatever it was in your life. We all have different avenues of sin, temptations. But that's behind us. Now we are slaves or obedient of righteousness. And with that, let's go to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You say, well, Brother D, how in the world are we going to renew our minds? I'll tell you how. Go to the book. These are the words of life. They are spirit and they are life. And that's the only way that we can renew our faith and our encouragement before God. One more before we get off of this point. Colossians 3, beginning at verse number 12. He said, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Here's your new kind of lifestyle. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. Now, that's quite a change. If we put these things on in our lifestyle, we're going to be an entirely different person. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forgiving one another. That's the reason there's peace and contentment in the body of Jesus Christ. Those are great, are they? But look at the next verse. But above all these, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. We cannot love in word. The Scripture says we must do it Indeed and in truth. So how are we going to put on love? By the things that we do for one another in the body of Christ. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To which you are called in one body and be you thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Is that your lifestyle?
If it's not, you're missing out on the greatest kind of a life that there is on earth today. And when you have that lifestyle, then we need this next point. The assurance of our salvation. How many times do you doubt? How many times do people doubt their salvation with Jesus Christ? Let's go to the book of 2 Timothy. Chapter 1, beginning at verse number 9. Scripture said, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according, to, <clears throat> not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world, before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Now look, he said, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me, faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That's our lifestyle. That's our assurance. He said, I know what I've committed unto him. He's able to keep. 1 Peter 4 and verse number 13 he said, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. We commit our all to God in doing the things that he has asked of us to do. And I love these verses in Hebrews 6. He said, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have sown toward this name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Now look, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. When I was looking at this, I thought, you know, we have in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, a great list of those Old Testament characters. And you get down to the last verse, he said, These all died in faith, not having received the promise. But you and I have a different group of people that have exemplified the faith for us every day that they lived. He said, Don't become sluggish. Don't become weary, but he said you imitate or you be just like those who through their faith and patience have inherited the promises. Oh, thank God for those that have been our ancestors that have led us to this point in our lives today. How many times have we stood and preached funerals for these people that have gone before us that were great examples for us to follow and he said, you imitate their faith. 
this new life brings peace, happiness, and contentment. And that brings us to this point for this morning. Rest for your souls. You that are weary, you that are laden with sin and ungodliness that's not been forgiven. Listen to the words of Jesus. He said, come to me. You who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you're carrying a load of sin and ungodliness, isn't that what you're looking for? Rest? That you can lay all of those aside and let God forgive them? He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My friends, this morning, there is no reason under the vaulted starry skies of heaven for you to keep carrying that load of sin and ungodliness. Jesus said, I will give you rest. Wouldn't it be a wonderful just to know that all of that past condition is gone forevermore? In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, he said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Aren't those wonderful words? They are to me, and I hope they are to you. That peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He said, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and, any, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's our new lifestyle. Second Peter 1, beginning at verse number 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who, 
called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I want to ask you this morning, if you reject Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, what hope do you have of any peace for your life? I rest my case. Without Jesus, there is nothing. But bear with me for just a moment. Here is the greatest of all the blessings and all the promises that we have as Christians today. 1 Peter 1, beginning at verse number 3. Peter said, Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved for you in heaven. Well, that's not the way it reads. Reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There's our assurance. There's our promise that there is something that's already waiting for us, reserved for us in heaven. Second Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse number 9. He said, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness. But His long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. But he said, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens will pass away with, <clears throat> with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct and godliness. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking for Forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Those are some of the blessings that we have as Christians. And they can be yours today if you're not a Christian. Years ago, I heard a story. And I want to just briefly mention it. There was a group of men 
working, digging a ditch. And they were just sweating, rolling off of their face and their bodies. They were working very hard. But as they worked, they were singing a song. I'm a child of the king and a millionaire too. There was one of these well-to-do ladies. Chauffeur pulled up and stopped. And she listened to them sing that song for a little bit. And she said, what a waste. You know they can't be a child of the king. You know they're not a millionaire. Look at them. Digging a ditch. Brothers and sisters, this morning we have that and much more. We have the unsearchable riches of Christ. And they're ours. If you don't enjoy that this morning, the moment now is for you to do what's right in the sight of God. Will you come as together we stand and sing?